Hello everyone and welcome back to Nintendo Everything Refresh episode number 32. We are the official podcast of NintendoEverything.com and we are here to keep you up to date as to everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. And uh, I'm your host Nick Serpo, joined today by Louise Estrella. Hello everyone! And we've got Nicholas today. Hey everyone, happy to be here. Yes, indeed. Uh, and especially when it is uh, a week when we get a surprise Nintendo presentation. We are all, I think, <laughs> especially happy to be here and get to talk about all the new games that were shown off. Um, yeah, the big thing for this week was uh, the Indie World presentation, which I wasn't really expecting, to be honest. Um, but that, that's, I mean, they have a way of sneaking up on you, you know? Like, this is the time of year that they will usually throw one of these together. Um, but I wasn't. I was still surprised by it. <laughs> yeah, they it's are always, always a fun surprise. They are always fun because we are not uh, always expecting them, like the Nintendo Directs, right? Uh, when when a Direct comes out, it always feels as it's been a long time since the last one. Right. But in the world, we are always surprised to see. Right. People are like, oh, it's September. It's time. And then in the world, people are like, oh, okay, cool. Um, anyways, we're going to talk about that in detail. We've all kind of picked out our favorite games from the showcase to talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, we want to take a moment and announce the winners of last week's giveaway. Uh, last week on the uh, previous episode of the podcast, we announced a giveaway. We were giving away uh, a total of 10 copies, five here on the podcast and five over on Twitter, of a little game called, oh gosh, I'm totally going to butcher this. It's been a whole week since I've had to say it. Milk inside a bag of milk, inside a bag of milk, and milk outside a bag of milk, outside a bag of milk. <laughs> that, that is the actual name of the game. Um, yeah, it's two so, games, I think, right? It's the inside it, and the it outside one. It is two one. games. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, <laughs> and they are both very good, from what I have heard. Nice, um, nice. They're very popular over on Steam. If you're into that kind of niche visual novel horror genre, um, so yeah. So our five winners. Uh, these are the folks who entered over on YouTube. Are Fizzwin. Uh, we've got Enrique Seligman, I hope I said that right, uh, Pika Phantom, Paco Stasel, Stasel and uh, Michael Carrion. So congratulations to our five winners. Uh, we will be reaching out to you via YouTube and uh, definitely respond so we can make sure that we send you your code in a timely manner. Um, so congratulations to all of our winners. Hopefully we can do more giveaways in the future. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got a small but mighty listener base, so if you entered, your, your odds were pretty good, I will say. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the winners on Twitter should be announced sometime in the near future as well. So if you entered over there, keep an eye out for that. All right, let's, let's talk Indie World. Uh, so here's how we're going to break this up, because there were a lot of games shown. Uh, what, like, probably you know, close to, like, 25 games, I would say? Yeah, like 22-ish, I think. Yeah, somewhere in that, in that ballpark. Uh, we're not going to talk about all of them, but what we're going to kind of do is we're, we each picked our, our three favorite games from the show, and we have an honorable mentions category. Um, so, Louise, let's start with you. What was your kind of third third most interesting game that you saw in the showcase? So, uh, the third game that I chose to my list was a game called I Space for the Unbound. And the first thing that caught my eye when I was watching the trailer was the art style. Like... 
I really like that kind of pixel art that is super detailed, like it, it is still is pixel art, but they, they managed to cram a lot of detail in that classic style. So I already enjoyed the game when I saw it for the first time, like the characters, the scenarios, everything looks really nice. And at first they present the game as like a, a, a romantic game, as a dating game, something along this, those lines, and then it has a... a, a kind of a, a twist where it turns into a more action-based game, a more action-adventure with fantastical stuff. In, in general, it just looks like one of those weird ideas that we only see with indie games. And specifically in those presentations, in those indie worlds, we always see those strange combinations and those original ideas, really, like uh, uh, games that you don't... It, it would be hard to see a big company greenlighting a project like this, you know? It seems very personal, it seems very original, so I'm interested in this uh, mostly for the, the narrative. I love narrative games and stuff like that, so that's basically what I thought. Yeah, I was really happy to see this one pop up because it's been in development for quite a while. Um, I mean, they did announce it for the Switch previously, but that was it was supposed to come all the way back in 2020. And, um, oh, well, wow. that was when it was revealed, I was <laughs> wow. guess, planned for that winter. Um, yeah, it's this game has caught my eye as well. Um, I, I love the setting. I mean, we don't see a lot of games set in rural Indonesia. <laughs> so yeah. that's just super unique. And, yeah, I, I love, like, these little slice-of-life stories, and especially if it's there's going to be some kind of supernatural elements it seems like they're hinting at um yeah could be a really interesting one thing, story one thing i had thought about um when i was just looking through all this list of games i noticed this is how neat it is that you have all these indie titles that let people explore a whole bunch of cultures and locales that otherwise you might not really see in most triple a games like you mentioned this is rural indonesia uh just in this presentation we had an indian family in canada there was the, like, French countryside with Dordogne. Right. And it's just really cool to see all these different cultures featured. Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think if it was on this podcast that we discussed this, but the, the world in the indie world name is probably related to how many different uh, <laughs> cultures we see in those different games and those different developers, because Nintendo always brings the developers to talk to the camera, right? So we can see that there are yeah. a great number of different people from different countries producing these games. Yeah, that's a really interesting take. I never, I never put those pieces together. But yeah, that does really seem to be a priority for them is, you know, showcasing all these different cultures and, and the types of stories that they want to tell, which is great. I mean, I'm not going to say that every game shown off was particularly interesting to me, but you know that there's people out there who, you know, they're finally seeing their culture represented in a video game, and, and that can be a very cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, solid solid choice. Um, Nicholas, what was your, I guess, bronze trophy award uh, for the showcase? Um, probably it goes to Have a Nice Death. Uh, I'm just really looking yeah. forward to this. I think it was announced last December at the Game Awards, I'm pretty sure. And it's been early access on Steam for a while, and it's gotten good reviews there. Uh, and it just looks so fun it's such a stylish looking roguelite it's got like kind of comedy aspect to it with controlling the grim reaper that's just kind of sick of having to work at this and his employees not being able to work uh it also just looks so nice on switch which really surprises me because when they initially showed the game it looked you know it's an indie game but it still looked relatively 
very polished in terms of the effects and what it was doing. And in this trailer they show off for the Indie World, it still looks really, really solid. Like, it is probably one of the nicest looking indies I've seen in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've definitely elevated the animation from what was originally shown off. It looks so fluid. Like, it is honestly a little shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, th- it's just this so is stylish. The, th- this is the kind of game that you can look and you can just tell that it will become an indie darling right like hollow knight like addis it's like the kind of game that usually has all those elements that those great indie experiences have uh i'll be honest the i I loved the visual when i saw it for the first time but i was a little disappointed when i discovered it was a hoguelike just because i'm not (laughs) a super fan of the the genre i was expecting like a metroidvania something along those lines but the action is still seems to be amazing, and I think usually the combat is one of the most important elements in a roguelike, so still excited for the game. Yeah, I don't yeah. tend to play a whole bunch of roguelites, but uh, this is definitely one I think I'm going to make some time for. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm not a big roguelike fan, just because I find they can often get repetitive, but this game just has so much variety and so much style from what they've shown that I'm like, okay, I don't think I would be bored playing this. This looks like a great time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was a great, great choice. I think my uh, bronze award, and I mean that in high regards, like bronze award, like, oh, third place, but no, like there were a lot of great games shown here. Um, this was when I actually got to preview back at uh, Summer Games Fest Playdays. It's called A Little to the Left, and it's actually out now. This was one of their uh, shadow drops uh, from the Indie World Showcase. Um, and I've talked about this one a little bit before. I, I mean, I just, I love the idea of these bite-sized, almost warrior style puzzles that are just around like organizing things and like tidying things up and making everything neat and straight and you know it's it's interesting and it's it feels very tactile to play i think was the big thing that surprised me like um i think it comes down to like the sound design and just the way that everything sounds when you're like shuffling books around and putting them into place it all it all makes it feel really good um but one thing they didn't talk about in the Indie World presentation that I, makes me really excited is they have a feature in this game where um, after you, I, it might be after you beat it or just in general, but it'll actually generate new puzzles for you every day. Like it has like a daily puzzle oh. thing. So I could kind of, I could really see that being adding a lot of value to the game. And, you know, if, if it really clicks with you, you could jump in every day and have just a little quick little thing to, to do. Yeah, that is really neat. It's a cool concept, like doing your daily crossword. Yeah, yeah. kind of. It has those spirits. F- yeah, and I, I've always loved it. Like, there was a similar feature. Maybe it wasn't every day, but I think like in the Pitcross 3D games where you could download more puzzles from the internet. And I was like, oh, like mm. I always love stuff like that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean. They already had me in the concept uh, with like how you have to rearrange stuff, but when they show that there's a cat who randomly appears yeah. and <laughs> ruins the puzzle, I just love the idea. I just think it's really creative. Yeah, very realistic. <laughs> yeah, props yeah. For that. <laughs> uh, all right, Louise, let's toss it back to you. What is your uh, second favorite game, your silver award? Also, the second game that I chose for my list was, uh, it's called Once Upon a Jester. And I think it was one of the, those games that really caught my attention in the presentation. Um, because it was like one of those games in the indie world where they showed the actual devs 
uh, talking about the games, and it's just you you see the devs talking about it, and it just feels like it's a game that these guys actually made it because it has their personality, it has their style, and they are putting everything that they have in it. If I'm not mistaken, they're actually a band, so they are putting all the music that they have, all the stories that they share, and stuff like that, inside the game. Uh, I do not fully understand how it works. If you can actually <laughs> create the story, if the game will give you options to create a story, how it actually works, but I really like the 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 voice acting that they show in the trailer and how stuff play out and just feel it just seems like a, a, a fun and really funny game overall. Yeah, the um the, the voice acting was actually the one thing with this game that I was like so I, I think it's them. I think it's the yeah. developers. I think it's their <laughs> yeah. voices. It just feels like <laughs> a lot of friends in a room recording. <laughs> yes. It is very very much fits the indie definition. Um yeah, it looks it looks pretty charming. I, it didn't exactly hook me, but um, I can definitely appreciate like where they're going with it with the themes and stuff. It's, it seems very unique. Yeah, yeah, I think this one's already available. Also, just like a little to the left. So, if people yeah. are interested, and it, it is really cheap. At least here in Brazil, I think in the US is also really cheap. So, it's a game that I'll probably try out. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, Nicholas, what is your silver award going to? Uh, it's gonna go to Rogue Legacy 2. Uh, I'm just super happy this is on Switch now. I, I don't remember when it was announced, but it's released on other stuff already. And, um, I really enjoyed the first Rogue Legacy. I don't think I ever fully beat it, but, uh, it was such a fun game. It was one of the first roguelites I really kind of just dug into. I even uh -huh. started replaying it a little bit because of this announcement. Uh, so this is just super fun. The game's already out. I haven't picked up quite let, uh, quite yet because I want to play a little bit more of the first one, since this one apparently is just an improvement of that of that game in like every respect, according to what I've seen people say online. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, so I'm I'm gonna play the one that might be a little bit weaker first, so you know that way I won't have a problem going back to it in the future. <laughs> um. But yeah, I'm just super happy that this is on Switch and that, um, you know, it's portable and easily accessible like this. And I'm definitely going to pick this up in the coming weeks. Right. And so the thing that makes this game unique is that when your character uh, dies, you you're, you take over your next run is as their children. And they have yeah. like uh, so, some of your traits, right? It's yeah, that, that's the that's the main draw to the game is it's the super long legacy uh, of characters where you're going to have characters share genetic traits that affect the gameplay. Uh, so you might have a character that can only see everything in monochrome, or uh, you might have a character that is um, tiny and that will affect their hitbox, or you might have characters that like have vertigo, so the entire screen will be flipped upside down. Just like all of these little variations across all the characters uh, that really make it so you have a different experience every single character that you try out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think the the visuals and just like the type of game this is, like this does seem like something that's going to be a great fit on the Switch. Um, oh, yeah. I think those colors are really going to pop on the OLED too. So if you have an OLED, <laughs> I think you're going to be in luck for this one. <laughs> um, I think my my silver award, um, it, I, I was debating if I should make this one my, my top game or not, but um, I'm giving my silver award to Inscription because this is a port that I am very excited about. I've been wanting to play this game, and I had really hoped that the Switch version was gonna be on the cards, pun completely intended. And uh, 
And yeah, now that it's coming, I'm I'm very much ready for it. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Exact same situation where I've been waiting for it to come to Switch. Uh, I'm really glad that the game looks good. I was a little concerned that it might not be as, you know, might not hold up as well visually, but it's yeah. looks fine here, I think. It, it's always that question, right? Like, this yeah. is one of those games where it's like, <laughs> Okay, it's it's kind of a 3D rendered you know game like like it has some 3D elements, but it's also just it's kind of simple. It's a card game, so is it going to be a good port or a bad port? <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm pretty optimistic about it. <laughs> uh, honest question: What is this game all about? Because like in the into words, it was like I think 30 seconds that the trailer showed, so yeah. I, I I don't quite grasp how why this game is so good. So one uh, of the key things about it is that you shouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's I one see. of those kinds <laughs> of games where the, the core of it is that it's like a card-based roguelike, kind of. Um, but there's a whole bunch of variations and events and like sort of psychological horror things going on uh, that you probably should not know about before going into the game. I don't really know about them, and I have not really wanted to look them up for that reason. <laughs> yeah, um, it's... Yeah, no, it's it's basically that. It it like starts off as like you're playing this card game with this mysterious figure across from you, but then it just kind of gets darker and a little more, you know, mind bendy and twisty and um it's all supposed to be very very good. But yeah, I don't actually know what <laughs> what the big twist is. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounds um, nice. That sounds interesting. Yeah. 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 Um so yeah. Uh all right. So Man, now we're we're already on the Gold Awards. Our first, our most anticipated games shown off from the indie world. Uh, so, Liz, let's let's toss it back to you. What's uh, what stole the show for you? So uh, here in the first place, showing the obvious one, the one that they chose to end the presentation with. Uh, I think Sports Stories just look absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I, I will sound a little <laughs> I will sound a little fake because I didn't play Golf Story and I think I'm saying that I'm going to play Golf <gasps> okay. Story since the Switch was released. <laughs> but like I just know that it, it is a kind of game that I, I'm going to love, even though I'm not a big fan of golf. But <laughs> right now, seeing that they are bringing the concept to so many different sports and even different genres, like they are exploring a lot of stuff by what they're showing this trailer. There are like stealth sections, there's like uh, fantasy places. So I, I just love the idea of an RPG that can bring those elements from other sports and those gameplay elements into the game. And I know that the first one, like the dialogue, is the best thing about the game. Like the game is really, really well written. And to me, like that's one of the main uh, the main reasons why I'm so excited to play this one. Because I think they actually put the efforts in the story to write something funny, to write crazy stuff. And I just want to experience it. Yeah. No, those are all good reasons. I, you know, this one, I, I think I personally... I am not as excited for mostly because I'm just not a big sports guy like in any capacity like I just the <laughs> but you know this isn't really I mean sports is just, just kind of the backdrop of this game it seems like yeah. it seems like there's other things mm -hmm. going on narratively um it'll certainly be an interesting release and I know people have been looking forward to it for a long time so it was nice yeah, to I at mean, least get an update for it god it was announced uh a while ago, wasn't it? <laughs> it's been a very long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah it definitely feels like, feel like they are putting the effort here. Yeah, 
Yeah, I feel like it wasn't that long after Golf Story like came out that they were like, oh, we're working uh, on the follow up. December twenty nineteen, it looks like. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, not not anything crazy, but um, but yeah, no. So I know a lot of people are excited for that one, so it was nice to get an update on that. Um, <laughs> Nicholas, what what stole the show for you? Where are you giving your uh, gold award? Um, probably Blanc. Blanc is something that I'm just. I'm very interested in. It's not often that we have, um, I mean, kind of funny we're saying this because we just got It Takes Two a few weeks ago, but it's not often <laughs> that you get games that are dedicated co-op experiences. Uh, that right. I don't feel like that's an aspect of gaming that has really been explored that much. <laughs> so it's always kind of in- interesting and exciting when you see something like that, uh, just to see what, you know, what are they going to do? How are they going to kind of innovate on it? What are, what are they going to do to make it interesting? And then that's kind of set against the backdrop of you're taking control of a cute little wolf and a cute fawn. And I mean, like, I don't know what else I need to say to sell people on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, this is a great point about, like, we don't, I mean, when people think of, like, these games designed for two players, people think, oh, it takes two. But that is kind of, like, the big, I think, maybe one of the only games that, like, really comes to mind as being, like, I don't know if this one is co-op only. I think you can st- still play it single player, can you? Or is it only co-op? Um, my understanding was that it was co-op only, but I might be mistaken. Okay, okay. Um, maybe maybe they yeah. have something like the AI control the other character or something like that. that I, I, I'm not sure also. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, at the very least, like, yeah, that art style and just... <laughs> who doesn't want to play as a cute little animal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, game, the game looks absolutely beautiful, and I just want to compliment what Nicholas was saying, because I was playing It Takes Two. I'm still playing It Takes Two, because I, I can only play when my girlfriend uh, visits me, so it's usually on the weekends. And uh, the feeling that I have a lot of the time playing It Takes Two is like uh, the puzzle, the idea, and the concept via gameplay are super new. And I think they feel new, they feel original because it's a territory that has not been so explored yet. Like there's tons of ideas with co-op gameplay that have not been explored yet. And I think Blank is like adding to that territory. So yeah, really interesting game. Yeah, yeah. This And it's coming, you know, right in winter, so it kind of matches the theme. It's coming uh, February 14th. <laughs> so could be a good little uh, Valentine's Day activity for all you all you gamers out there (laughs) um all right i think this one i think is not going to be a surprise to most people uh, because i think it stole the show stole the show for a lot of folks uh but my most anticipated game that was shown off was pepper grinder um like man that game (laughs) maybe it's just the way they they showed it off but that trailer just starts and you're just like okay you have my attention (laughs) um (laughs) People are comparing it to a to like a, like a modern day version of Drill Dozer, so you just you control this this giant drill and you're just like blasting underground and then shooting up through the sand and drilling into enemies and shooting through the air. Um, it looks so fast and very fun and it, it doesn't look like it's gonna be like like overwhelmingly difficult. Like I think a lot of games in this kind of you know, fast-paced two D platformer subgenre have turned into, but um, but yeah, it's the flow of it all. I think is what's really interesting, and exciting to me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very clear why this was a Devolver published game <laughs> as yeah. soon as they started showing it. 
Yeah. It has that vibe. It's one of those weird things, right? Like, like I don't know what it is, but you can just tell when a game is shown off. Like, oh, this could be a Devolver digital game. And you're usually right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, it's, again, just like I said about have a nice death. This is just the kind of game that you can look at it and feel that it is going to be an indie darling that people really love it. Uh, the art style reminds me a little bit of Celeste, like this 8-bit, but more detailed 8-bit style with a fantastic art direction, and it just looks super fun to play. I think this one is not a hoguelike, right? I think it's a 2D platformer. I, I, don't, I, so. I don't think it is. No, I think oh, it's just nice. a starting <laughs> game, which yeah, feels no, great it for just something looks like amazing. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so overall, I mean, man, a lot of great stuff in this Indie World Showcase. Um, it was only 25 minutes, but I think it was a pretty jam-packed 25 minutes. Although I do think, like, as much as I am interested in the developer interviews, I think some of them might have gone on a little bit too long. But overall, I mean, like, the games that we were shown, um, I think it was, it was a really good showcase. Um, now, we do have some honorable mentions to shout out here. Um, I think th these are games that we were interested in, but uh, didn't quite make the cut in terms of like being at the top of our lists. I think for me, uh, that game would be Curse of the Sea Rats. You know, it, it looks, I mean, so for those of you who, who didn't watch it, it's just, it's a very like stylish kind of 2D, I wanna say it's a Metroidvania style game. Um, yes, it is. So it's a Metroidvania, it's a side scroller, it seems like it's got some story elements in it. Um, it's kind of got this hybrid 2D, 3D art style uh, that looks kind of unique. I just, they didn't show a ton of it, so I, I think this came up in the highlight reel towards the end of it. Um, so there's not like a ton for me to get excited about, but like on paper, I'm like, yeah, I could enjoy this. This looks like it could be a good time. <laughs> It's a pirate-based mouse Metroidvania, which <laughs> that alone is, you know, pretty unique. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're calling it a a, a ratoidvania in their marketing, <laughs> which sounds like a bit of a stretch, but I'll, I'll give it to them. <laughs> I also think it's uh, multiplayer from the looks of it, which is also not something you see very often with a Metroidvania. Yeah. No, there is co-op, um, which, I mean, yeah, it's you got to love that. Uh, Louise, what about you? What was your kind of honorable mention of the showcase? So the one that I just want to give a honorable mention is Goodbye World. It was shown right at the beginning of the presentation. And I first, just as I said about my third place, the, the art style and the narrative are the ones that are really catching me here. It is kind of a meta game where the game is about making games and stuff like that, which I, I also like. Uh, there's even showing... Uh, playing a, a game that is uh, incredibly similar to Kirby that they are showing the game, which is probably a reference. <laughs> and uh, from what I, uh, I understood, seeing the description, is more of a puzzle game. So I think you actually follow the story and solve some puzzles. But in general, I just, I like the concept, I like the idea, and I'm interested in seeing more. Yeah, it's certainly unique. Like, I mean, we've seen some games that have played around with this meta-narrative concept before, but, like, playing through the game developer's game as they're trying to make it as part of the story is interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot you could <laughs> do with that dynamic. Um, all right, Nicholas, what about you? What's your honorable mention for the showcase? Um, it's going to be Storyteller, because I'm still not 100% sure how much game there's going to be here, 
but I really like the concept of it, uh, where basically you have this uh, storybook, six panels in front of you, uh, or I think up to six panels, I'm pretty sure it's variable, and you decide where you're placing the characters and events in each panel to determine how the story goes. And that's just, you know, it's a fun little interactive concept of how do you want to build your story. And I think you're supposed to fulfill certain objectives and certain endings for uh, each story, and that's how you progress the game. I'm not sure how much game there will be, because it still seems like a concept you could exhaust pretty quickly, but it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun seeing the vampire die instead of him infecting the princess, or, you know, all these different variables you can have in the stories. Yeah, it yeah. looks really fun to see the different outcomes. I don't know how much freedom you have, but looking at the trailer, the idea is neat. It's my understanding is that it's it's more of like a puzzle game. So like you're given this prompt and you have all these different pieces, and it's kind of up to you to figure out. Like almost like Scribble Knots in a way, was was yeah, the yeah. thing that came to, came to my mind. Like, okay, how do you meet these criteria in like a creative way mm-hmm. with the pieces we're giving you? Um, so yeah, it's it seems like an interesting experiment for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so those those were our uh, our highlights. Obviously, a lot of great games shown off in the indie world, more than we have time to talk about. So if you haven't watched the showcase, do yourself a favor, set aside twenty five minutes and go watch it, because you might find some other games in the showcase um, that you're excited about that we haven't mentioned. So um yeah let us know down in the comments what what was the games that you were most excited about from the showcase um all right let's switch gears here because we have a lot of other news on top of the indie world to talk about uh so it's that time of uh, of the year where nintendo comes out and they're they give us all just a little glimpse behind the scenes into things that are going on at the company um there was a lot of like information this week about like the games they put out recently and you know console sales and things like that and not all of it is exciting but there are little tidbits here and there that i think could have some pretty big ramifications for the future and the first one i just want to shout out here is uh so miyamoto himself the uh (laughs) the man the man that i think a lot of people associate first and foremost with nintendo um he answered a question this week about backwards compatibility and basically what he came out and said is that you know backwards compatibility is much easier for us to accomplish now but it's not their focus so here's his his quote i'm just going to kind of sum it up he says uh, in the past we built a service called virtual console (laughs) they remember it exists oh god (laughs) he mentioned it he mentioned it um in terms of compatibility uh you know visual content has an advantage because it can be enjoyed continuously uh i guess we'll skip over that part Uh, previously software developed for dedicated video game systems was conducted in development environments for each hardware platform that meant those environments could not be brought forward when the hardware changed and it would become impossible to play software released for previous hardware without making changes. But then he goes on to say that, oh, this has changed recently. And he says, you know, it's much easier now to to make it so that, you know, older software can be played on new hardware. But then at the very end of saying all that, he's like, oh yeah, we can do this. He says, uh, having said so, Nintendo's strength is in our creation of new entertainment. So when we release new hardware going forward, we plan to continue to offer new and unique gameplay that cannot be realized on existing hardware. So it's a very like non-committal 
answer. <laughs> yeah. It's not altogether unexpected, uh, considering that, you know, the Virtual Console was basically scrapped going into the Switch, where now we have NSO as a replacement, all the Nintendo Switch Online games. Still, like, you, you wish they could still have a more dedicated uh, legacy focus in terms of just making those games accessible, but I can't say I'm too surprised that this is the answer he gave. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it it just yeah it, it kills me and I think it kills a lot of people a little bit on the inside knowing that like they're like oh yeah we can do this we could probably bring you all the classic games you want we're just not going to <laughs> yeah he does mention that part of it is in terms of uh, a rights situation where getting the rights for certain games is probably also not something sure. that they have to renegotiate every time which is probably part of it although it still is not much of a reason for Nintendo owned games. Those would probably right. still be pretty easy to bring forwards. Right. Yeah, I mean, Earthbound took a while to release, so <laughs> there's not a well, proper answer to that. Well, Earthbound is also a special thing because I think it's uh, owned... A lot of it is uh, the the property of he, of Shigesato Otoi, the creator, who's like... Oh, I see, I see. Super variety yeah. man in Japan. He does, a, he does a ton of things. So that actually does require, I think, a bit more negotiation than a lot of the first-party titles they have. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I, I think he even said at the time that he wanted to see the game on Switch. Uh, it toy oh, itself, yeah. so I don't know how much <laughs> Nintendo actually uh, that is was true. planned. Nintendo yeah. is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <weird>. I <laughs> mean, uh, the whole Switch Online it. thing seems to be doing pretty well for them. I mean, you know, as much as they're talking about, oh, you know, backwards compatibility and stuff, like what they've offered so far, they've got 36 million people subscribed to Switch Online, at least to the basic tier. Um, I'm not sure. They didn't say exactly how much for the expansion pass tier, as far as I'm aware. So it might be like a total mm -hmm. amount. But I mean, 32 million, 36 million people subscribing to the service is nothing to sneeze at. And, you know, one of the other things they said this week was, you know, we are going to continue to add value to, you know, Switch Online or enhancements was the word they used. Um, mm -hmm. We hope so. You know, yeah. <laughs> kind of needs it, to be honest. It does. I mean, because. Yeah. Uh, the money that they're making off of this, it's probably more than enough to pay the servers. And let's let's be honest, the servers that Nintendo use are not the best. I see a lot of people <laughs> still having issues with Splatoon 3, which I found to be just inexcusable. But uh, they still have a lot of room to improve, right? Not only on the, the online stuff, but also on what they are actually offering. And considering that they have a premium uh, subscription right now... Uh, I think they have to keep adding to that stuff. and mm -hmm. But the, the thing that I want to say related also to what Miyamoto was saying is that he's saying that Nintendo is always creating innovative stuff and always different gameplay experiences and they that may be pointing out to a Switch uh, successor that is not exactly just simply a Switch 2. But I also think that the online hmm. capabilities and the Nintendo Switch online service, it's like, it's something that can tie the next console, right? I think mm -hmm. when the next console comes out, you will not have to wait again to see Super Nintendo games, to see Nintendo games being released the same way that it happened with every Nintendo console so far since the Wii, right? Seeing all these hope. games releasing again. <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think the, the subscription is a way to tie the generations and to always keep the same... Uh, offering the same uh, stuff with the subscription and the subscription being available for the same the two the next console right uh, yeah 
But yeah, I, I hope I mean, that the Switch 2 is not super crazy also. <laughs> it's a <laughs> completely different console. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pin down, you know? Like, some of their comments imply... Like, you know, in that same thing where they're talking about the Switch Online membership, they say, you know, we consider Switch Online our initiative to encourage our users to continue to enjoy Nintendo Switch for many years to come. Yeah. So that kind of implies that, like, okay, the Switch still has a couple years left in its lifespan. I don't know how many qualifies as many years, <laughs> but... But yeah, like, what does that mean? Like, you know, are we seventeen stuck with the Switch for a while? Are we gonna see? They, you know, they've expressed like we do want to carry forward this Nintendo account system in the future. That's kind of been our plan all along. He says that they will be connected to next generation platforms. So we do know the Nintendo account thing is going to be sticking around. But as far as when, and you know, will Switch Online be backwards compatible with whatever the next generation is? It's probably a little too soon to tell, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm hopeful about all that, but it's it's hard to say. Um, the other kind of thing that came out of this that they've addressed in the past, but now they're saying something different. So a big conversation lately has been the cost of video games and consoles, and everything seems to have been going up, um, at least here in the U.S. with um, inflation. You know, some games on Sony platforms and in uh, Xbox are coming out at $70 um, in most of the world, uh, except for the United States, the PlayStation 5 got a pretty substantial price increase. Um, you know, the, the PlayStation VR 2 that was recently announced actually cost more than the PlayStation 5 itself in some territories. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's, it's all just very, it, things are changing. Um, probably partially due to the chip shortage and, you know, but I'm sure there's other factors at play. And in the past, Nintendo has, has said that that you know, we have no plans for a price increase. Like, it's it's probably not going to happen. But now they're saying that they are monitoring the situation, which <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's It would be a little surprising to me if they raised it, considering that they, you know, now we have the OLED, we have the light, we have the regular Switch. It feels like we have a pretty good range of prices already. And I don't know... Like, in terms of competition, if they raise, like, say, the OLED to 400 or something like that, now it's directly competing with, like, an Xbox Series S, right? I think that's the price of that. And I don't uh, know that Series something... Series S is only, like, 300 actually. So oh, okay. It's... So now it's competing yeah. with, like... <laughs> now it's way more than something like that. And is the Series X, like, 400 then? Series X is 500 here in the U.S. Okay. So it's in between those two. Yeah, that's still, I feel yeah. more than is probably advisable considering. <laughs> uh, I and, yeah. honestly, I, I just think that this kind of answer is more directed to the investors at the end of the mm -hmm. day. Like the investors are seeing a console from five years old and people are not even mentioning uh, uh, reducing the price, but actually raising it. So I think this is just an answer to give the a sign to those investors of how healthy the company is right now and and mm -hmm. the, the the business is because the price is the same and the console is selling it, it still is selling like crazy it never stopped to sell like crazy <laughs> so it, it'll probably slow down this year and the next one but it is still is in a very healthy position right now so yeah. i don't think he actually increases it but he's the way that he's talking like we are monitoring the situations just to say that we are we are at, at that good position. Our position is that good that we are actually monitoring the situation of raising the price. 
Yeah. I yeah. mean, they have done really well for themselves. I think they've recorded... Like, they, they had a question regarding um, the sales of Splatoon 3 because those have been really high, especially in Japan. Uh, and just, like, everything that they're doing is selling pretty darn well, considering... Like, I think uh, Sony has mentioned that PlayStation is having some problems selling games because of inflation, and Nintendo really has not encountered that at all, seemingly. So Yeah, yeah that was another thing they highlighted, was uh, Splatoon 3 has sold almost 8 million units, and it's only been out for two, not even two months. Well, here's the uh, thing, too. These about. numbers are accurate as of September 2022, so that was for the first month. Oh, wow. A big, okay, a big chunk of it's that. It's a lot. That's crazy. A big chunk of that is Japan, is Japan mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Japan yeah. had like at least 2 million, I think. Maybe 3 million. Which is yeah, a lot for crazy. the Japanese market nowadays. Yeah. Um, but in total, I mean, man, like that's really a high sell-through for Splatoon 3 for less than yeah. a month. For comparison, I think Splatoon 2 took about 8 months to sell 6 million. So like this is right. This is a big I mean, number. Granted, that was right like at the start of the Switch's lifespan. So there was smaller a smaller install base. Install base, but yeah, still it's it's crazy how much that franchise has grown. Um, yeah, and even Xenoblade Three, um, that game has sold about one point seven two million, which you know is not up there with the big boys of Nintendo, but is is I think one of the better selling games in the franchise, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, yeah, it's... Go on, Nikos. Uh, it's outsold Xenoblade Definitive Edition at this point. I think the last reported numbers for that were 1.68 million. Uh, okay. And it's well on pace to outsell Xenoblade 2. Uh, Xenoblade 2 is currently around, like, 2.4 million. But it took a while to reach, like, 1.68. Um, right. The DLC like, it took helps a lot. About, yeah, it took, like, eight months after that to reach, like, about the number that... Xenoblade 3 is at, and like Louis said, DLC, there was the Smash character, there was a lot yeah. that kind of boosted it that Xenoblade 3 could still get, because it still has the big DLC campaign coming next year, so I, I definitely think we're going to see this game be the best-selling game in the franchise, and I think by extension the best-selling game Monolith Soft has produced, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I feel it, like if I... we look... Uh, no, j just talking about Xenoblade, if we look from the, the perspective of a JRPG, a lot of JRPGs would love to sell numbers like that. It's, <laughs> it's a, a level that only games like Fire Emblem, like Xenoblade, like Persona 5, Final Fantasy, a uh, few, few JRPG series actually reach numbers above 2 million, which Xenoblade 3 is actually on the way to, to reach, which is impressive. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot more people were talking about Xenoblade 3 around the time of its release compared to Xenoblade 2. And I'm not entirely sure why that is. Maybe it just came down to better marketing. You know, maybe more people have gotten acquainted with the franchise at this point. But, yeah, it, it still yeah. feels like, you know, I mean, granted, I'm being a hypocrite. I haven't bought it, played it myself <laughs> yet. But uh, I've, I've got some homework to do for that franchise before I do that. Um, but, yeah, it's I, I feel like this is going to be a sleeper hit. And I just, I hope more people play it because I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yeah. I think um, the Game Award nominations are going to be up by the time this uh, this podcast is posted. And with yeah. any luck, <laughs> Xenoblade 3 will have received nominations after 2 got completely snubbed and Definitive Edition didn't get anything either. And if it does get nominations, I'm hoping that will help bolster sales further. 
just just to point uh, at the moment, the gold the golden joystick award yes, already right. has uh, it, Xenoblade Three is on the run for a game of the year in that. So, mm -hmm. oh, and I'm wow. pretty sure the TGA will because in an interview to the Kids and Krista podcast, Jeff Kigley actually mentioned Xenoblade Three yeah. as one of the possibilities, <laughs> which is crazy to me because I I never expected him to actually acknowledge the series. So yeah, yeah well hopefully. let's be real. Do you think do you think Jeff Kigley has really sat down and played Xenoblade? Chronicles 3. I, I can't pick. Never, never. He should. <laughs> I don't think so. He's a busy man. I don't think he has time for a yeah, yeah. I'm not blaming he either. It's he tries. <laughs> he, he tries, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, lots of exciting things going on in, in the world of Nintendo lately. Um, lots of interesting things happening inside the company. One more quick thing I want to mention, mostly because this is just interesting to me. So even though Nintendo's mobile games have done pretty well, I would say, I mean, they have like 800 million downloads in total. I think that's a pretty <laughs> impressive number. They haven't been putting out a ton of mobile games like lately, like not a lot of new releases, but they did announce that they are, um, I guess, going to be working more closely with their development partner for the mobile games, Dina, or DNA, I think is how you say it, if you want to be correct about it. Um, they're forming what they're calling like a joint venture company. And we don't entirely know what that means yet, but it basically says that they're going to be helping out more with the digital side of just how Nintendo operates, implying that they might be doing some things with like accounts and, you know, the, the future of Nintendo's digital output and how games are distributed and all that. So we don't really know what that means yet, but... It seems substantial, and I wonder, I, I wonder if this means we're we're going to see them putting out fewer mobile games than they even have been recently. If this is now the new way that they're working together, right? I think uh, they're responsible for Mario Kart Tour and Pokemon Masters, if I recall. Fire Emblem Heroes, I think, is Intelligent Systems, and Dragaea Lost is dying, but it's side games. <laughs> um, right. So. It, like you said, it is funny that we haven't gotten too much else on the mobile front. I wonder if they've kind of just... They've settled on Fire Emblem Heroes as their cash cow, and now they're just kind of, you know, coasting it out. <laughs> it kind of seems that way. Yeah, I think the first yeah. game that they partnered together on was Super Mario Run, and that was yes. kind of a... Landed with a bit of a thud, you know, mm. compared to... By Nintendo's expectations, I guess. Like, people liked it, but... Um, I think the, the, the great expectation that Nintendo had for their mobile games was that the mobile games would actually bring people to their consoles. Like, it would be almost like a marketing stuff. And I don't think that actually happened a lot. So I think at the moment they are considering if it is still... If they should still work with stuff like that. If the profit is enough reason to keep releasing more mobile games. And yeah. I don't know the answer to that. They are probably thinking about it, but th this this partnership with Dina is definitely interesting, and we'll probably see something coming out of that. Yeah, I, it was interesting to learn um, that apparently they have been like this was one of the things they mentioned when they announced this is that um, Nintendo and Dina when they started working together that uh, they actually collaborated to develop like the Nintendo account system. So I didn't realize oh, wow. they played such a big role in that. And right. it seems like they That's wanted to do yeah. more of that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it makes sense that they would partner for um, that kind of angle, like the whole digitization and um, like customer interaction. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, that new little company is called Nintendo Systems, which is a nice, mysterious name. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll see what comes of that. I'm sure it won't be this... Probably won't be this big public thing. Like I don't think we're going to see them in the Nintendo Direct or anything. But just an interesting yeah. behind-the-scenes thing. Seeing Yo, seeing Nintendo, uh, Nintendo pictures and now seeing that, yeah. it's <laughs> nice to see Nintendo investing in creation. Like it seems to me like they are actually putting the money that they are receiving to some uh, research and stuff like that to develop new technology and more. More stuff for us to play at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of yes. exciting to just think about what, you know, what are they working on next? What direction are they going? How are they going to expand? Yeah, yeah. but look, they this is just, uh, they've got all these companies, man, and I haven't heard a single thing about a new Kid Icarus game, and that makes me very, <laughs> very happy. So. Yeah, I mean, Sakurai <laughs> now is a YouTuber, oh, no. so... Yeah. <laughs> He's got yeah, other priorities, <laughs> man. <laughs> I don't think what he's going back to games. <laughs> oh, God, just don't say such words on this podcast, Luis. All right, oh, well, let, let's let's talk about some games. This, this is going the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> so, hey, here's something coming out pretty soon. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, little indie game. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, uh, well, not very often. <laughs> yeah, it'd be hard not to hear of it because if we've been getting new trailers like every single week, and I guess this last week we had one with Ed Sheeran in it. Nicholas, is that correct? <laughs> uh, um, less a trailer, more of an Ed Sheeran music video. Really, I don't know how much I'm really um, how necessary that trailer really was. I get they want to put out something every week, but it does feel like there have been some times where they've just kind of made a big fuss about having a new trailer when there really hasn't been that much that they've shown off. But they showed off, like, two new Pokemon, so that's something. (laughs) If anyone is the face of Pokemon, Nicholas, it's Ed Sheeran. Oh, definitely. I think we've we've established this. (laughs) Right alongside uh, Katy Perry and Post Malone. Exactly. (laughs) Right. <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because to me the Pokemon company is not actually trying to bring the the gamer the actual like the the hardcore gamer they are always looking to the bigger public to the more pop audience I would say uh-huh. so they are trying to do stuff like that and it, it is a little frustrating for us who like want to see more of the gameplay elements who want to see more of how <laughs> the game actually works detail and then it's actually just a trailer with Ed Sheeran so it is a little frustrating in that sense but the game is super close so we don't have to wait a lot to to see how it actually plays yep the game has completely leaked online so if you're watching out for spoilers uh you know be extra careful at this point yeah (laughs) yeah I was gonna say you actually don't have to wait. You could just go watch, read all the spoilers <laughs> now, and that would. But we don't, don't encourage say that. This. The ninjas will come. We don't encourage this. Yeah, it's the Nintendo ninjas, beware. <laughs> they, um, they are looking for no. us. <laughs> no, uh, I, the, I will the, say, like, even though this the trailer, like, I didn't need Ed Sheeran in my life really at any capacity at this point. <laughs> I I do feel like every every look at this game, I am I am feeling pretty excited about it. Like, I, I know I'm not going to have the time to play it anytime soon, which makes me sad because I want to, <laughs> but it just, it looks so good to me. Like, oh gosh, the world looks good. I love the, the just that everything feels like it has an extra layer of detail compared to Sword and Shield. It feels vibrant. It feels lively. I just, it looks really good. 
Yeah, I think the only thing that I'm still worried about right now is how the game actually performs during exploration with the, the legendary Pokemons. Because mm. some of the footage that I saw, every time the player gets to explore flying or in that motorbike, <laughs> the the game gets really choppy. And mm. I, I'm just mildly worried about that. Uh, aside from this, I think the game actually looks really interesting overall. Like, everything that I'm seeing, I'm still interested. And I think we'll soon see the, the reviews coming out. And I'm actually very curious to see what people think about this. Yeah. And, I mean, Nick, Louise, I got to just say, counterpoint, you know, your concerns. I mean... The, the counterpoint is that you can make sandwiches for your Pokemon. I mean, I think that's... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, now you got me. Yeah. I mean, feedback, let's not know. pretend like the sandwich making was polished either, though. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, hey, very few sandwiches are perfect in life, Nicholas. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's realistic. You know, yes. fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sure we will have more to talk about with that game uh, in the next episode. Um, I don't know who on our staff is reviewing it, but someone on the site is reviewing it. And uh, once the game is out and people are talking about it more, we'll, we'll have more to say. Uh, we, are, meantime, we are planning for a whole podcast about the sandwich in the game, so look forward to it. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, in the meantime, um, this, let's talk about another Nintendo franchise. Um, so as we all eagerly wait for the next Legend of Zelda game, um, there have been some fans over on uh, the LEGO Ideas website who've been trying to get a Legend of Zelda uh, sets made. And for those of you who aren't familiar, LEGO Ideas is this, it's, it's really cool, honestly, if you're a fan of LEGO. Um, it basically is a platform that allows fans to make like their own custom LEGO sets and then pitch them to LEGO to have them turned into real sets. And uh, this has turned out some some pretty cool stuff in the past. I mean, we have gotten some licensed things. We got like, a, um, there was like a uh, Ghostbusters, like the Ghostbusters car. I think that came from a Lego's idea set. Was Minecraft from that too? I don't think that was a Lego ideas thing. I think that was just like a partnership they had. Um, but I could be wrong about that. There have been some pretty big things that have come out of it though. Mm -hmm. Um, but one thing that we won't be seeing coming from Lego Ideas are any sets from The Legend of Zelda, because I guess they were getting a lot of them, and they actually made it so that you can't submit sets based off, off that brand anymore. Um, and they said it was because of, like, issues with the copyright holder, which could mean a couple things. It could mean that, A, Nintendo just didn't want them to be doing this anymore, or it could mean, B, that they're already working with Nintendo on some Legend of Zelda sets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right now, I mean, you, I, when I first saw this idea a long time ago, when it first appeared, I always found it to be almost impossible, just because it felt like a, a, something that Nintendo wouldn't do at the time. But right now, we are in a very different moment. Nintendo already released some uh, Super Mario Lego uh, kits, and there's even, uh, not not even all of them were like, aimed at kids specifically there was this one with the 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 cube that appeared with stuff from Mario 64 and stuff mm -hmm. like that so they they already had a lot of uh, ideas with the Lego company so it would not be impossible 
to see in the future uh, an actual Zelda kit, but I think they would have to be a really different idea, just like they did with Mario. Uh, mm-hmm. About the the, the, the the Zelda idea coming out of the site, I just think it's something that Nintendo really doesn't like fan ideas, so they just <laughs> they, 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 ha- they, they want to yeah. make their own things. They, they usually don't like to take what their fans are, are actually proposing, so... Yeah, I can see that they. I can see they asking to 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 take that off the site. Yeah, I mean that being said though, like my personal preference as someone who grew up with Legos and I still build sets time to time. I don't have a lot of space, so I don't like have like a whole sh- room of Legos as I might want. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but like I actually don't really like the kind of gimmicky approach that Nintendo has taken with their Mario sets. Me neither. Me neither. I, I don't yeah. really want. Mario figures with screens on them that can interact with each other. All I want <laughs> is like a giant, beautiful replica of like Peach's capsule that I can build. Right. You know, yeah. Like, something that's gonna fair, take think... me like a month. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I think that's why the the question mark block was actually pretty neat because it was a little bit closer to that than being like exactly kind of kids' yes. toy. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I think the Zelda cool series set. would be something similar. Like that those collections, like there's Lego ar- architecture also, those collections that are more aimed at uh an adult public, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like a yeah. Lego architecture set but for Hyrule Castle? Wow, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be so yeah, cool. That, that would be really cool. Except those are usually like very realistic sets, so they'd have to come up with like a really elaborate like backstory and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I guess we'll see if anything comes from that. But yeah, in the meantime, I'm sorry if you were working on a uh, idea to pitch to Lego. They may not, they may not want it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, real quick, I uh, want to talk about uh, just we already talked about a lot of games that were shown off this week, um, but we did get a little bit of news uh, from Falcom. Uh, they announced this week that they have a couple new games coming within the next year. And that one of those games will be the next game in the Yeast franchise. I think that's how you pronounce it. Is it Yeast? It, it's just spelled Y-S, but I've, I've only ever heard it pronounced Yeast. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is Yeast, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, so they have kind of like unofficially announced this game. Um, this is, I wouldn't say it's like one of the most popular RPG franchises in the world, but it's been going on for quite some time and... There are a couple of entries in the Switch now. Um, we got East 8 back closer towards the launch of the Switch. Um, it was actually one of the first like bigger RPGs on the console, I would say. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. then, yeah. Um, and then we had East 9, uh, which came out a year or two ago and wasn't as well received as a whole. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a decently sized franchise that has its fans. And I haven't played any of these games in the past, but um, they're... You know they're action RPGs, so they're they're kind of standing out a little bit more right now. I feel like we've been getting so many strategy games and a lot of turn-based games. So it's nice to see that some of these franchises are still catering to fans who want something a little more hack and slashy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just nice to kind of see that we're getting three more games on Switch from this. Uh, they are True. going to be releasing in Japan, so it's not clear if they're going to be localized. But mm. still, it's just kind of. Nice to have. Three more games for yeah. the Switch. Pretty different and, genres. And I, I think it's it's always nice to see the uh, newer releases, games that are coming out to the PS5 on the Series X coming to the Switch, because usually, like, 
uh, on the JRPG, I'm seeing a lot of new JRPGs skipping the Switch, like the 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 recent uh, the new the Tales of Tales of Arise, mm -hmm. I think, and there was also the new Star Ocean, I think, from yeah, Square yeah, yeah that is also out. skipping on the Switch. So it's nice to see some JRPGs uh, coming to the Switch, some new JRPGs. Yeah, we don't know what the other two games could be, but. Um, Falcom is also known for being in charge of the uh, Legend of Heroes series and its kind of Trails sub-series. So, uh, who knows? We might be getting some more of those games. They already have a couple um, penciled in for next year as it is. So Yeah, probably. Um, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, more RPGs on Switch. You will not hear any of us complain, except <laughs> for maybe me just because I don't have time. But I like <laughs> to see it anyways. <laughs> I mean, that's the secret. None of us have time for them. <laughs> No, no. Um, yeah, but please keep making them anyways. Um, and as far as games have come out this week, it was a pretty busy week. Um, can't talk about everything as always, but want to at least shout out, you know, the four or five big ones that we did get this week. Uh, definitely the biggest game was Sonic Frontiers, which we've talked about pretty extensively. In fact, I am currently in the process of playing it for review. Um... I guess I was going to talk about it during my how, what have we been playing section, but um, but yeah, the, the funny thing this week was um, the director of the game came out and he said that, uh, oh yeah, the game is out now, but we're looking at it as sort of a global play test, is what they're calling the release of this $60 video game. Which is just <laughs> such nonsense, like... <laughs> I, I it's just kinda, I, it's it's bordering on in my opinion it's bordering on being like a little like disrespectful to the consumers yeah. because you're basically <laughs> saying like we sold you this game that we know isn't finished and we want you all to play test it for us like ugh, I don't like listen it. I just want to make a, a small defense because uh, this director uh, he he gave some interviews before and I just feel that he's he's a very nice person like he's very. I would say he's so humble to a point that sometimes stuff like that can come out and sounds a little weird. But I think he, he he's being like honest, like a little too yeah. much. But I think yeah, he's okay. being honest, right? Yeah. And maybe the the issues with why the game could be unfinished is not actually on the developers, but more on how Sega is actually giving resources to the team or giving time for them to develop a lot of the time. So. I usually don't blame the developers for how the game came out, right? But yeah, I think this time he, he actually has gone a little too far with yeah, what it's he's, just a very silly saying. statement. <laughs> like, and yeah. honestly, I think the game was uh, to a point actually well received. That I'm seeing <laughs> a lot of Sonic fans are actually pretty happy with the game. So, uh, and that's that's something because with Sonic Sonic Forces, uh, <laughs> it was way worse. It felt like they were even trying to make a nice game. And this time, I feel that it is an evolution. It's a it's a step in the right direction, even though there's there's still a lot of stuff to to get better. Yeah, I will say overall, like, like I said, I'm still working on the review. I'm not done with the game yet. Um, but my overall impressions are like I am having more fun with it than I thought I would. At first, I really was not enjoying the game as a whole. Like it, it started off pretty weak and. You know, just between just, like, just the absolutely nonsensical story premise and the game on the Switch is just... It is not a good-looking game uh, in in the most yeah. of the time, I would say. It cannot hit a stable frame rate. It is incredibly blurry. Um, their pop-in is horrible, like, to the point where other reviewers have mentioned, like, 
things will be popping in five feet in front of you, and yeah, you it's can't abysmal. even. Yeah, it's it's really not good. Like if you are gonna play this game, I think the, my review is gonna say something along the lines of just go play it somewhere else. But like <laughs> as a game itself, it's it's fun. Like it, the open world structure works a lot better than I thought it would. You know, even though all these grind rails are just floating in midair, you really don't think about it too much when you are trying to stitch together, you know, like combos across these rails and like traverse across the world. Like it's, it can be really fun. And um, the cyberspace levels, you know, they're, they can be short, but the way that the game is kind of structured to have you incentivizes you to replay them and, and, you know, collect a certain number of rings or complete them in a certain amount of time so that you can progress in the open world. Um, I, I've really been enjoying like the little gameplay loop that they have going on, and I think that is gonna be the thing that makes the game fun for most people. Um, in terms of other releases that we have this week, um, so Sifu was another one. This is a, a Switch port uh, that was announced, I wanna say somewhat recently. Um, this was originally kind of positioned as a big like PS5 exclusive, and then they launched on there in PC. So when it was announced for Switch, that came as a surprise to a lot of people. Um, seems like a, a fairly solid port from what I've heard. I, I looked at some gameplay and it seems pretty comparable to what we've gotten on other platforms. Obviously running at a lower resolution, but um, but yeah, this is, you know, lo you love to see these indie games coming over from <laughs> next-gen consoles and working well on the Switch. Yeah, yeah it's good this to know was that one that I wasn't expecting. It's good to know that it apparently runs well, because the game definitely doesn't look as nice visually, and I was kind of worried that it was going to transfer over to just it not being as good of a port, because it does look pretty interesting and something I wouldn't mind trying out. Um, but yeah, glad to hear that apparently it's it's not that bad. I don't yeah. know I don't know why that, but just a heads up for people who want to play this game. Uh, for some reason, he's costing less than a dollar in the eShop Argentina. So oh, wow. <laughs> if, if you are really interested in playing the game and you don't have the money or something like oh, that, yeah. you could just try to buy there. Well, there you, there you have it, folks. Um, so yeah, that was, a, that was a nice surprise this week. We also got, uh, believe it or not, another RPG from Square Enix. I, wow. Really surprising to you. Another strategy RPG from Square Enix? Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Um, but yes, this is the very highly acclaimed uh, port slash remaster of Tactics Ogre called Tactics Ogre Reborn, which was a PSP strategy RPG darling that um, is very well acclaimed. Uh, I have not played it myself, so I'm not completely sure why, but I know that the people who love this game have been begging for a remaster. And um, yeah, uh, do you guys have any familiarity with this game? Uh, not really, sadly. I haven't played any of the Tactics Ogre, or I think it's a series, like the Tactics series. Uh, I haven't experienced any of them. I have heard, like you said, I've got heard nothing but good things about them. <laughs> so, um, I might try this out eventually. I don't have time for a strategy RPG right now, but it's definitely on my yeah. radar. Yeah. At least now we know that it will be preserved into the future in some capacity, so that ten years from now when we're like, oh yeah, we should play that. We'll know we'll have it yeah, that's in a nice. convenient way. Yes. Yeah. Um, we also got, this is a, a smaller game, but I did want to shout it out because I've actually had this one on my radar for a little bit. It's called Lunistus, and it is a, they call it a retro-inspired 3D platform, but, you know, that's kind of a, a general label. 
I would say if you go and you, you look at the gameplay for this game, um, the kind of pace of it, it, it seems like an indie style Sonic game to capacity. Just like, you know, you're moving at speed, you're going through these kind of linear courses. It seems to be focused very much on like precision. And um, I, I love, I, I am kind of a sucker for these retro style kind of games feeding off my nostalgia. Uh, it absolutely works on me, and I have zero shame in that fact. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was so, surprised yeah. when I saw the trailer for it because it really did look really nice. Like, I really dig that kind of visual style. And it has that PS One visual style, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the platforming is just really so hard. Solid. It doesn't lean so hard into it. like it still looks like a modern game, you know. But it's just kind right. of a little bit of flair. It's like, all right, we're going for retro vibes. Um, and then one other game, this one is just kind of an, an oddity. So uh, back when the Oculus Quests first came out um, and they were trying to put all kinds of games on it, one of those games was a Jurassic World game called Jurassic World Aftermath, which was like a first person survival horror game set in the world of Jurassic World. Like you're literally like hiding in lockers and stuff as velociraptors are hunting you down and. Um, it was actually supposed to be pretty scary in VR. Um, but yeah, for some reason, and I couldn't tell you why, this game is now on the Switch. Um, all the kind of separate episodes have been bundled together. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's compatible with Labo VR. I, I hate to break it to you all. But, um, but yeah, it's launching only like exclusively on Switch. Um, and it's this kind of remastered form. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, it looks surprisingly decent considering that it's a licensed Jurassic World game. I was not expecting much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good expectation to have in, in general with licensed games out of the gate until you've seen them in person. But yeah, this one this one is kind of unique and I've heard it's pretty good. And the, I, I just don't understand why they're bringing it only to Switch and, you know, taking it out of VR, but I don't know. Um, so yeah, those are the, the big releases of the week. And uh, thank you, as always, to everyone who has gotten to this point in the show. We really appreciate all of our small but mighty band of listeners. And um, we're just about to wrap up, but before we go, uh, let's talk about what we have all been playing this week. Now, I, I kind of already cheated and went ahead and talked about Sonic Frontiers, but uh, Louise, let's, let's start with you since it's, it's been a minute since we've had you on the show. What have you been uh, playing these last week or two? Uh, as I mentioned before, I was playing just this weekend. It takes two. I was still playing it. The game is oh, way yeah, bigger right. than I than I expected, so it will still take a while to finish, I think. But the the main one that I want to talk about that I was still playing uh, this week, I just finished it recently, was the Spider-Man Remastered on PC that I was playing. Mm. And overall, just an amazing game. I think probably one of the best games that I've played this year with Xenoblade 3. Uh, it was just a great experience overall. Uh, such a, a fun open world experience. I I did a lot more than I was expecting with these games. I did a lot of the side quests, a lot of the side content, just because it's so fun to swing by the city, uh, <laughs> controlling Spider-Man. And the story is not like absolutely amazing like something to the level of other sony games like the last of us or the recent god of war but i think the story is good enough for the game like in the concept in the context of the game it works really well we have a lot of dialogue 
uh, that uh, Peter, that Spider-Man has while swinging in the city. Like he's always talking with MJ or you're listening to the podcast of J. Jonah Jameson. And it just makes the <laughs> gameplay so dynamic because you're always uh, like you are playing, but you're always listening to the story, to the dialogue, to the context. And I think it's really well integrated. Uh, by the way, by the end of the story, I was just having a blast, and now I'm really looking forward for the. I, I'm going to play the Miles Morales that is going to to come out on the PC, but more than that, I'm really looking forward to the to the second one, to the sequel. Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, man, that all the boss battles in that game are so freaking yeah. good, and um, yeah, and as far as what you you brought up with like the world building and everything. I don't hear a lot of people mention it, but I really like the uh, how you can go into like Spider-Man's phone and they, they have the social media app where you can like read all the things that people are saying about Spider-Man. And, yes. Like, and you know, like you'll go and you'll like stop a crime, and some people will be like, "Oh, thanks, you saved my store." And then other people will be like, "Screw you, you broke all my <laughs> stuff." And it's it really adds a lot. <laughs> like one of the things that is nice about this game is because uh, in this world, like. Peter Parker has has been a, a Spider-Man for a while. Like he's very mature. He's not in the school anymore. So they really take advantage of that in the world building. Like a lot of the the stuff that they mentioned has already happened. So he brings back uh, stuff from the that has already happened on the comics and has a lot of references in the in those social medias, in the dialogue, in the in the items that you collect. Sometimes he collects an item and he he reminisces about it, talks about a memory. So the world building is really really like a treat for the the fans of spider-man it's really well made yeah no i'm 100 with you I'm, i'm also very much looking forward to the sequel um and yeah i, I do hope you get to play miles morales soon because it's it's up there with the first game it's it just feels like more of that excellent game oh nice um nicholas what about you what have uh, what have you been playing this week um nothing too exciting on my end like i mentioned earlier i replayed some rogue legacy earlier um, just because Rogue Legacy 2 came out and that kind of, it, it was scratching that itch. Uh, oh. Otherwise, I just really kind of focused down on Splatoon 3 because I've been wanting to get the the top rank <laughs> before the season resets in December. And I managed to do that. So that was fun. And uh, since then, I've just oh. been kind of enjoying the Splatfest because that's been happening this weekend. That's right. The Pokemon the one. Oh, yeah. Is it the Pokemon one? Yeah, it's the uh, a grass, fire, water one. Oh, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, and, like, you know, since you've been, like, jumping into the Splatfest, I, like, have you noticed any any major differences just, like, in terms of the community? Like, I know that's really the big appeal with being part of these Splatfests and everything. And th- does it feel kind of similar to the, fir- to the first two games in that regard? Or are you having a different kind yeah. of experience? I would say so. I think the community has transferred over very cleanly. Uh, the fact that you still have posts that you can see in the plaza adds a lot to it. <laughs> I'm glad that's not a feature they removed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I did kind of wonder how that would work. I mean, you know, it, it the feature managed to survive the death of Miiverse and stuff, but after Splatoon 2, I was like, oh, you know, maybe they're going to dial that back a little bit. You know, this kind of stuff people were posting, but someone <laughs> at Nintendo sees the, uh, <laughs> sees the value in it, which is good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thankfully, no one's posted stuff that's made them just remove the feature. That's always nice. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot of nice fan arts and memes. So <laughs> yes, it's a lot nice of memes. Miss you too. Yeah, <laughs> I think currently yeah. most people are just kind of as of recording this. The Splatfest still has like uh, four to five hours left, 
And <laughs> it's just kind of funny because the, um, in terms of who is in the lead and whatnot, it feels like this is the exact same pattern that's happened the previous two, where the, the team with Big Man, uh, the Manta Ray, is winning at halftime, which happened <laughs> the previous two. Uh, and then the previous two, Shiver, they're like, shark octopus girl wins at the mm-hmm. end and also similarly nice. to the last one big man also won the the like pre-splatfest little category so it's like playing out the exact same way so <laughs> like talking it, to the community like everyone is just... like oh god she's gonna win again <laughs> how <laughs> do you think people are just like picking their favorite characters and that's really what it comes yeah. down to <laughs> yeah. I, I mean think i think that's the it's, case so that's it's definitely a mix <laughs> Uh, like, it's not the same character getting the popularity vote every time, so people are voting based on, you know, uh, whether it be the theme or the character, whatever their own criteria are. It's just funny that the results seem to be working out the exact same way regardless. Yeah. By the way, really uh, Nicholas, a question. Uh, I remember when the game released, people were still a little torn on the three, three teams uh, battles. And uh, how how are you feeling about that right now? That we already had some Splatfests. What are your feelings about that? So I do think it needs balancing. Um, I definitely have had a lot more experience with it in this Splatfest than the previous ones. And the first one I only did like a couple battles. And in the second one, I couldn't even get one because they reduced the rate of them appearing. Um, right. Here, I've gotten a really good chance. I've done like a dozen of them. Uh, it's really different. <laughs> I've actually managed to win most of the ones that I've done because I figured out a strategy that works, but you have to treat it really differently from a normal fight. Right. And I think it's still something where um, it's still pretty biased mechanically in favor of the, the two teams of two. So I don't, I feel like you still need something to try and balance it out because as it is if every time um every splatfest the, the team that's in halftime will always lose that category because they will always be defending in the tricolor turf war and they will always lose that that's not <laughs> ideal <laughs> that that's no, something that should see, probably be addressed um it just we i think we still need to kind of experience more because out of these three splatfests uh we've had the same stage twice and then the, mm. the second one, there was a separate stage, but most people didn't get to play that one because they reduced the frequency. So it, it really, it, people, ha- we have to see if it's a matter of, uh, is the stage just not suited for it? Are the stages they're picking just bad for this kind of format? Or is there really something where they have to change it mechanically? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, I guess it's always the thing with these types of online mm-hmm. games, right? They're always evolving and... Some things might change the way players want, and others might yeah. just, you know, Nintendo's going to do what they're going to do. And um, But overall, you know, I, I'm glad you're still having fun with it, and it I'm, I'm, seems like yeah. overall the community is happy. Yeah, I will say, uh, ultimately, I do think I enjoy the Tricolor Turf Wars. They are a different experience, but it's definitely a kind of thing where you have to be on the ball, and you have to, like, focus three times as much as you would on any other fight. <laughs> It's very rewarding when you get it, but man, it is, it is a mental drain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, no, cool. I'm glad you're having fun with that. Um, okay, I know technically that was all we had planned, but there's one more thing I want to shout out real quick, just because I was very excited to see it this week. Um, we got a 40 minute like gameplay showcase for the new Harry Potter game, Hogwarts Legacy, and oh my god, it looks so good. <laughs> I, I was, was watching this yesterday. Oh. Yeah. 
I'm so excited. I don't it usually looks... pre-order games, but this was one I'm like, <laughs> I, I want to play it the three days early that I can get on my PS5. <laughs> I still need to see stunning. that running on Switch. I am just oh, morbidly I... curious. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't, yeah, they haven't shown it off yet, and they haven't even really talked about it, and yeah, I'm... And I'm not, I mean, I might play it out of curiosity, but my first playthrough is absolutely going to be on PS5 because that just seems like it's going to be the best place to play this game. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm going to play on my Series S also. And uh, I think the it's just something that uh, in this series specifically never happened to see a Harry Potter game receiving so much attention, so much detail. And... Seeing how it plays, it just feels like a top AAA uh, Western RPG, right? Like a really great RPG, like to something similar to like The Witcher or even Skyrim to that note. So I'm really excited to, to see, to explore the worlds in this game and to, to, to actually play it. I think it comes out on February, right? Yeah, it was delayed. So it's it, not it that, does. that far. Yeah, I... I was a little upset about the delay, but it's really not that far away now, and I, I think I can make it through. Um, but yeah, that, I am going to be dropping everything to play that game when it comes out. <laughs> uh, all right, well, folks, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone uh, for listening. This has been episode 32 of Nintendo Everything Refresh. If you like what you've been listening to, please spread the word. We are a small but mighty podcast, and we want to spread the word about what we're putting out every week over here. So uh, thank you to everyone. We're on all the major streaming platforms. So if you're listening to us over on YouTube, you can also check us out over on, you know, Spotify, Audible, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you name it. We are pretty much out there at this point. Um, And yeah, we will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. Thanks so much.